At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Come and check out our website at uh, libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes store. We're in the Google Play store. We're on Stitcher. You can find Tim on Twitter at libcontim. Find me on Twitter at libconmatt. And uh, go buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk about a, a huge... 48 hours, week, whatever. There's been a whole lot going on in the election. Uh, we have two nominees now, so we're going we're gonna to talk to you all about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about money and politicians and how much politicians make and what they tend to do and uh, things of that nature. Uh, and we're also going to talk about uh, the minimum wage increase, which has been proposed by the Sanders campaign and uh, jumped on the bandwagon by the Clinton campaign and uh, lots to say about that. Uh, round of applause and something cool. But in the meantime, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm just chilling at mom and dad's house. Dad's got his surgery tomorrow. So uh, my, my beautiful, wonderful wife is watching our two kids at home while I come up here and help our folks out. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching Game of Thrones on their big ass television. How are you? Mm. I'm good. I'm good. I'm interested to hear what you what you had to say about the the Game of Thronesy things. So, what was what was the last episode you saw? Uh, Daenerys burned everyone alive, and ah. uh, Dakari bowed down and worshipped her. So, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. excited. I mean, it's a thrill for me because I you know because I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I read I read all the books you know twice. Uh, come on, George. Come on, Martin. Let's uh, let's pick up the pace here. So for now, I'm I'm in the dark. So it's it's kind of enjoyable. Yeah. Well, welcome to my world. I you know didn't read the didn't read the books uh, until after I'd watched the show, which I'd, I've you know I've talked about it a lot. I'd, I've sort of enjoyed attacking it from that angle. I never do that. I almost always read the books first, but uh, in this case, I didn't. So I'm I've been. I've been having fun watching it that way. So, but it's nice to have everyone else on the same the same level playing field with me now. Um, not not having a clue what's going on. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I, I can't decide how I feel about these last couple of seasons, the last season and this one, because it just feels like there's so much happening. It's just it's, it feels like there's a lot less character and a whole lot of plot. Which I mean, I like I like the plots, so that's interesting. But uh, I wouldn't I, it wouldn't bother me if they slowed down just a little bit <laughs> every now and then because it's just especially early on this season man it was just like holy shit i just i mean there was one episode where there were like four moments that were like the hell just happened they just killed like six different major characters in six different scenes how do you do that yeah well i mean this is all i mean it's this is the last one right like he's writing there's only supposed to be seven well seven books and this is the six. So he's written five. So there's two more books. So, but I mean, there's a lot to do. I mean, she's still on the other side of the ocean. <laughs> she's got to go yeah. conquer the five kingdoms. So, you know, they got to. I know. And they got to get to getting here. I, I I wish I wish that she would that she would get to it. I'm I'm sort of tired of hearing Daenerys make speeches. If I see her make one more speech and talk about how she's going to go take retake the seven kingdoms and get all fiery and 
whatever. I'm just going to drive to Kentucky where Amelia Clark is shooting a movie and, and just, just punch her just once. Don't make a speech. And if you make another speech next season, I'm, I'm going to come, come find you and hit you again. Cause I'm, I'm tired of it. <laughs> we get the point. Yada, yada dragons, fire, mother of whatever, you know, burned in the stormborn or yada, yada, yada. Just shut up and go take the throne. Well, as long as I don't kill Tyrion, I'm good. He's yeah. Me, yeah. Me too. <laughs> he, he's got to be standing tall at the end. That's all. That's all I'm asking. Martin kill everybody else. Leave me Tyrion. That's all I want. You and you and you and me both, my friend. Because I, I think if anything actually happened to Peter Dinklage, I would be equally furious as I as I am potentially with uh, Daenerys making another speech. So, yeah, he's just smooth. I mean, he's uh, yeah. I drink and I know things. Yeah, Possibly he's great. my favorite moment of the entire show, right yeah. there. He's fantastic. So, he's great in the books too. He's awesome. Love him. Yeah, he is. Um, so anyhow, well, enough en- enough of the Game of Thrones. I feel like we could go on about that one all night. So, uh, and we'll start off with the election. Uh, it is. It has been a, a massive couple of days. Uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, for all intents and purposes, locked up the Democratic nomination. I wouldn't say it's a massive surprise. I was a little surprised that she won California quite as handily as she did. Um, yeah, she really put the smack down on any Sanders dreams of, see, look at this, I won the last state. And no, no. Or Hillary, I made it even Hillary competitive did. in that last yeah. state. You know, no, she no, didn't. She crushed him. He didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he was about to, he was able to, what was it, South Dakota, I think he won, or North, one of the, one mm-hmm. of the Dakotas. He was able to walk out and go, yes, I won North Dakota. Uh, well, that's not good enough there, Byrne. But yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and I mean, today you've seen a lot of, you know, just a, a lot of, you know, rally around the leader kind of stuff from pretty much all of the Democratic Party in stark contrast to the sort of turn on the lights and watch the roaches run and hide sort of thing that we've seen out of the Republicans the last several days, uh, thanks to, to Donald. Um, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. I The one thing that I've think it's it's worth it's worth talking about and i don't know that people are i remember thinking the same thing back in 2008 you know when we nominated obama like him don't like him vote for him don't for don't vote for him we nominated a, a black man uh to a major uh party and then elected and turned around and elected him president twice and now we've nominated a woman uh as the nominee of a, a major party it's a big deal. It's a good moment. You know, I mean, we hear all the time about all of the problems with minorities and we're not, and I'm not saying there aren't problems. It's not that we're not there yet. We're not there yet. There's a lot to do, but things like this remind me that we have taken steps forward and this is another big step forward, I think. Absolutely. And it would have been a breath of fresh air if, if, uh, if I had heard any Republicans commenting on that. Uh, and I, I wish we had, but I guess I didn't really hear any, uh, uh, Democrats commenting on the the greatness of nominating a, a, a the vice president candidate of, of Sarah Palin, but um, it, it's a big moment, and I'm I'm excited to be here to see it. I'm well, excited Sarah to be Palin a part was not the history. first. Sarah Palin was not. I would, I'll, I'll I'll interrupt you on that one. Sarah Palin was not the first woman nominated as vice president. Oh, really? I did not realize no, that. Geraldine Ferraro in '84 for Mondale. Really? All right. Well. Screw me then. Never mind. <laughs> we we <laughs> suck. Uh, yeah, I mean, because we should have. Because it's a big deal. It's it's awesome and it's a fantastic moment for for women's rights. So, 
Um, I'm excited to, to see it and congratulations to her and, and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big thing. Um, there's been a lot of, of sort of placate Bernie stuff, uh, lately. i although I, I, and, and I mean, I, I kind of get it, you know, in a way, I mean, obviously he, he, he had a big impact. I think he did a lot of good things. Um, you know, there's been a lot of the sort of backbiting and, and retrospective infighting stuff that's sort of come to light a little bit in the last few days. Politico had a big, uh, write up on it. That was really interesting. Um, but it came down to that sort of interesting meeting today between Obama and, and Sanders and then Sanders and Reed. And, you know, he didn't officially bow out, but you got the impression that he was heading in that direction. Um, you know, I don't know your your thoughts on the Sanders campaign. I think it seemed like it, had, it seemed to have a very big impact on you. Well I, well, I think he's done a I think he's done a great job. I think there's a number of things he's brought up that were that were very important. Um, the The number one thing for me is paternity leave. I, I think that's huge, and there there's a very good bill that's been floating around on how to do this. And if if Sanders' campaign can can push that onto the Democratic platform and, and from there actually manage to get a law passed, I'll be I'll be grateful for it. Um, and I think the Democratic Party is certainly right to be, quote unquote, placating him by incorporating some of his ideas into the platform, because regardless of you know whether or not he was really particularly close to Hillary Clinton in the end, uh, obviously the issues that he brought up uh, really spoke to a, 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 a great number of Americans. And it's it'll be a good thing if they're able to get some of those things on the onto the platform. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I and I, I say placating because I, it, it came up. Uh, there was a there was a thing on CNN last night. Jeffrey Tubin, who's a, a writer, was on. I think it was I think it was with Ander, Anderson Cooper. Uh, he is not. a. He, I don't think he's a political guy. He's more of a historian. Type And he said, you know, I, I don't understand what this is with everybody trying to placate Bernie. There's a word for what happened to Bernie. He lost. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, that's a little harsh. <laughs> I mean, he did lose, but I mean, he, he definitely has a very strong following. And, and the Democratic Party does need those people to to turn out um, if there are. We de- do. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. there are Democrats who feel about Clinton the way that Republicans feel about Trump, which which I think is silly and I think is foolish, uh, but it, but it does exist. So any anything that the Democrats can do to encourage them to come out and vote, I think, would be a good thing. Now they don't need to do it to the extent that McCain did it back in two thousand eight, right? I mean, McCain won as a moderate and won the nomination as a moderate, and then suddenly took that hard right in an attempt to to bring out the base. And, and I, I don't think that's necessary because as much as, you know, some Democrats might dis, distrust Hillary Clinton, I think that their, their hatred for Donald Trump will succeed in getting them out to vote, uh, almost pretty much regardless of what Hillary does. So she doesn't need to tack too far to the left, but, but bringing in some of his ideas is, is certainly a good idea. Um, you know, I strongly disagree with, you know, a $15 minimum wage, but, you know, using, what President Obama has, has has pushed forward for minimum wage as as a starting point, you know, it's not completely horrible. So, yeah, so adding on some of those things to to inspire parts of the base who might not generally really want to vote for Clinton, I think, would be a good thing. Yeah, I I do too. Um, you know, and I I don't know I don't know that there's really a whole lot of danger of her 
taking a hard left turn. You know, and I think over the years, Hillary Clinton has, has stayed in relatively the same place in a fairly moderate place. Most of her career, Agreed. Uh, you know, I mean, with a, a, I mean, there've been a, there's been a flip in, in one direction on, on an issue or two here and there, but for the most part, she's stayed relatively left of center. Um, and uh, and has walked that tightrope pretty well, and I, I don't really expect her to to take any major turns in either direction. But I, I I think what they need to do is the thing that you know they have to concentrate on on something that Democrats frankly have to concentrate on every election, um, which is trying to get these young people that get engaged in Democratic candidates. And get excited in election years. Get them to stay excited, even though Bernie didn't make it. And to get them to stay excited after the election is over with. This is something Democrats constantly struggle with. You get the 18 to 25-year-olds all fired up, and then something that doesn't go their way, and then they they break in and run off. Well, Um, I think you're right. Or they just sort of fade after two years. And yeah. they have got to keep those people engaged. And some of that, and, and you know what, there's some of them you're just not going to get. Because by the time November is gone, they're not going to pay attention. They'll be on to the next thing. But there are going to be those that want to stay engaged and they need to do their best to keep them engaged. Um, you know, and, and keeping Bernie Sanders as visible as they can talk him into being over the next several months is going to be a key to that, I think. Well, like I said, I'm not too concerned as far as getting out the vote for the presidential election. Because like I said, as long as the Republican nominee remains Donald Trump, I think this is going to do a sufficient job of inspiring the 18 to 25-year-olds to, to come out. The The struggle is going to be what the struggle has been consistently over the last couple of decades for the Democratic Party, which is getting them out to vote for the midterm elections. Uh, and this is how, you know, we've ended up, you know, thankfully, with um, Republican uh, Republican control of Congress uh, because, you know, the Republican base gets out and the Democratic base does not unless it's a presidential election. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't know I mean, they got enough to worry about to make sure that this continues to go well. They had a, they had a good day today. Today was you could for all intents and purposes. This was to me. This was Democrats doing something that I don't generally see them do, which is immediately from just about everybody in the leadership on all sides, jumping in and rallying around. And yes, we're going forward in this direction. And even Bernie, who did not, I I did not expect to endorse today, and I did not expect him to back out of the DC primary or anything like that. The best that I could have hoped for is that he would do exactly what he did, which was signal that, yes, I want to sit down and talk. Yes, I'm about there. Just give me a little bit more time. But then everybody else coming out and going behind him and saying, okay, unite around this candidate. That's usually something that Republicans do very, very well. And they're not doing it this year, you know, at all. In fact, they're doing pretty much the opposite. Uh, and the Democrats in about 20, 40, 24 to 48 hours following the last major primary, man, they, they all clicked right into place. Elizabeth Warren gave a massive speech tonight. Her endorsement is going to help Hillary a lot more, I think, than Obama's will because Warren's got that progressive cred that Bernie's got. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a good day for them, you know, and it comes on the heels of a really bad week for Republicans. 
So, you know, shifting over to that for a second, what were your thoughts on, not on Trump? I think we know where, where we are. We both know where we are on Trump. But did it did it bother you as much as it bothered me to watch the tap dancing from the leadership over the last three or four days, particularly Ryan? Uh, you know, this whole, yes, I think he said some terribly racist things, and no, I don't agree with anything he's saying, but I still think you should vote for him. Really? Well, I, I think you kind of had a pretty good analogy there with the cockroaches scurrying from the light. You know, they, they, they sort of, they sort of went to him. And then thanks to Trump being Trump, um, you know, times 10 in this past week with the everything with the judge, that light got shown and they kind of, they kind of scurried away a little bit. Um, you know, I think it was good. I, I liked the way that, you know, I liked what Ryan said, you know, as far as this is textbook racism. Uh, but I, I can't, mesh that with then but you should still vote for him i can't i can't do that i can't blend that um so i i don't know if i'm more disappointed now than i was a week ago when everyone started endorsing him um uh, no I, I don't think i'm more disappointed this is just exactly what you would have that we knew would happen. We knew that Trump was going to do these things. We we knew that there, there's no changing Trump. There's there's no Trump moderating his tone. There's just Trump, and this is what he does. And you you knew that you knew this when you decided to endorse him. So uh, you know I'm I'm glad that it's making you uncomfortable because it should it should you make you uncomfortable to be endorsing him. So no, not more disappointed. Just a steady stream of disappointment. Yeah, that's fair. I, you know, I, I don't know it. it, it I, I'm not entirely sure why, it, because that's, you know, you just, you just hit the nail on the head because with, you know, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to moderate the guy and he's not going to moderate himself. And most, and, and maybe it was just wishful thinking on their part that if they started to sort of rally around him, they were just really hoping that he would see and, and start to moderate. But then of course, not only did he not moderate, he just went even further yeah. than he has. Well, and, and 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 what good does it do us if he does moderate his tone? So what, he was lying before? And and now the real Trump is coming out, this moderate Trump? Or is he moderating and just lying by moderating and covering up, you know, the the incredible apparent racist that he is? I I, I don't there's nothing that Trump can do at this point to to take away everything that he has said and done over the last six months. That's going to get me to vote for him. I, I know when I'm being tricked. I'm, I'm not an idiot. I, and, and the idea that, well, if he just moderates his tone, we'll all be fine. Well, then you're just admitting that you're an idiot who's willing to be tricked. Cut it out. Don't let him play you. Yeah. And, and I guess, yeah, du- doubly disappointed with Ryan because, and the, and the crappy thing is that I like Ryan and continue to like Ryan. And I like the way that he brings things up. I don't know if you got to read uh, a better way, the thing that he put out with, on poverty, but it, but it's very good. And it's a shame that everything that he's doing is going to get lost because, and on the other end, he's sitting there backing Trump. If he had stood up 
and said, no, I will not do this. This is the vision of the Republican Party. This is the agenda that we are moving forward. We don't like this Trump guy that we've nominated. This is the way, this is the way forward for the Republican Party. And it's a better way then this would be fantastic. And I think a lot more people would be listening. But because everything that he says gets drowned out by the fact that he's endorsed Donald Trump. Yeah, that I mean, and I did read that 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 better. This was the better way thing that you put up on Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah, that was Ryan's. Ryan wrote that. That's Ryan. That's him. him I had putting no forward. idea. Ryan has good policies. He has put forth good policies constantly. Since he got into since he got into office, um, I remember reading about him in the Economist I, ten years ago or something. I mean, it, it's it's been a constant thing that there's this there's this guy from Wisconsin putting out good good new ideas, and he's finally got control of the speakership, and he, he's moving forward with it, um, and it's fantastic, and it's and it's amazing, and it's everything that we that we were hoping for from the Republican Party. But it doesn't matter because Trump. Yeah. Well, and that, I don't know, to me, that entire that entire wing of the party that has just managed to sort of hijack any possibility of, uh, you know, of putting forth actual work, you know, things that matter. Because that, you know what, and I'll, I'll, I'll back you up on this as, as, as a liberal reading what Paul Ryan proposed at this, it's called a, what it, it just look it up. It's a, a better way, right? That's the name of it. That is. If, if, if you're a liberal, go, go look that up and read it. It's, it's a lot of very interesting stuff and believe it or not, by some sort of mystical magic, it's an entire document written by a Republican that doesn't have the word deregulate in it. And it doesn't say lower taxes. It's amazing. I don't know how the hell he did it, but he managed to pull it off. And it's, it's very it, it's it's very interesting. It's very thought provoking. You may not agree with all of it, but it is definitely the kind of thing that that unfortunately you just don't hear out of the Republican Party anymore, um, or not not in the main part of the news. And a lot of that has to do with Trump. And frankly, a lot of it has to do with a lot of the people that wanted this kind of candidate for years. Um, that was willing to get up and quote tell it like it is. You know, it's. Uh, and it doesn't, and you see what telling it like it is, is getting him, you know, which is nowhere. And while we're on the subject of where it's getting him, it's getting him this massive drop in the polls. Whatever ground he had made up by sort of being able to stand there on his own two weeks ago is gone. Hillary's back up by four or five uh, in national polls and climbing again. Where it gets interesting is where they chuck in Gary Johnson. Because there are two Gary, polls out now Gary, listed on, Gary, right? Sorry. Deep breath. It's okay. There are two polls listed. You can start chaining here in a second again. Two polls listed on Real Clear Politics from the last couple of days that have Johnson at 11 and 12%. Now, Clinton still wins, but that knocks both Clinton and Trump under under 40. Um, Fox News's poll, I think, was 39, 36, 12. Um, so, you know... Johnson may pull from both sides. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting dichotomy. And Jill Stein, frankly, I was relieved to see uh, Elizabeth Warren come out and endorse Clinton. I would, I'm hoping Bernie doesn't do something crazy, wouldn't do something crazy and like endorse Jill Stein. I don't think he's going to because that would send all of his support over there when and take it all away from Hillary. And then we'd just have an interesting race between four people, you know. 
Wait, so wait, what's going on with Jill Stein? What I, I missed all well, of this. Well, she's running again. And I was reading a lot. I've read in several places that there were a lot of Bernie supporters that were saying if they don't get Bernie, they're going to vote for Jill Stein. So, and there was a moment of panic in there where I thought, oh my God, what if Bernie comes out? And what if Bernie's that mad at Hillary? What if he comes out and says, I'm going to endorse, endorse Jill Stein? You know, then what does that do? Then all of a sudden the Democrats have their own Gary Johnson and holy shit, what comes next? Wow. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be shocking if she's able to actually get a big name person like Bernie Sanders. I I don't think that she's going to have the pull of Gary Johnson if it's just her. But yeah, if he's able to get, if she's able to get Sanders to join forces with her, then that could be extraordinarily damaging. But I, I don't think, um, I don't think he would do that. I, I think Sanders hates Trump so much that I, I don't think he would. Cause I, I think he would see exactly what that would do, which as you said, Gary Johnson pulls at least some from Clinton, uh, as well, as well as Trump. So if you do end up with, with a legit fourth party, uh, from the green, from the greens, then I, I think, whoosh, I think you really could see some serious damage being done to, to Hillary Clinton. Cause I mean, a lot of people blame Nader for, for Bush winning in 2000. Uh, and he only took a fairly small percentage. And, and if Gary Johnson wasn't there, then, uh, yeah, then I could, uh, then I could see that maybe as a possibility. Um, but I think Gary Johnson's presence, I, I think they sort of maybe nullified that out a little bit. But then I also don't think Bernie's going to do that. I'm with you. I was a little nervous about it a couple of days ago because, man, it seemed like he was angry at Clinton. But every time I've thought about that, I just got to go back to 2008 and remember just how chippy Obama and Clinton were with each other in 2008, which was really damn chippy <laughs> towards the end. And, and they're really, uh, I think pretty tight these days. So, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. Obama said one thing that somebody on, on Twitter sort of joked about earlier tonight, uh, that got me thinking about this was that he thought that Hillary was one of one of one of, if not the most qualified candidates just on paper for the presidency. I would argue H.W. Bush maybe more, but I can't think of anybody else. I mean, agreed. Yeah, Clinton is by far. I mean, that's not even a debate, I don't think. I mean. Really? Yeah. She, she's done everything. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe Bush, because I guess Bush was a. Well, he had been he had been he had been a congressman. He had been vice president. He had been head of the head of the CIA. Did he work in? He didn't work in Nixon's administration, did he? I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head, but but yeah, I I guess you're right. From a qualified standpoint, I guess he he is right up there. But I mean, Secretary of State and Senator is pretty huge, and plus all the I mean, she was hardly a a run of the mill first lady. I mean, she was a pretty, she was pretty involved at least in the beginning. So, um, yeah, I guess it's up in the air, but she's certainly extraordinarily qualified. There's, there's no, there's no way around that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really think there is either. So, um, well, I, I I think we've, I think we've, we've had our fill on the election thus far. Have you, have you anything more to 
get in on that? No, but I am interested in the whole Jill Stein thing now. I hadn't given her a second thought, so I'm I'm now a little bit fascinated to see what happens there. But I, I don't think it'll come to anything, and I'm just I'm just praying praying for Gary. He's my guy. Well, he's he's made. You know what? If nothing else. I, I, I say this to listeners out there, at least go read up on the guy. You know, Politico had a neat write up on him. He's done a lot of, of interesting podcasty type things and ways to get his name out there. And, and you know what, if you're in the, you don't like Donald Trump crowd, he, he is very much in that crowd as well. So it's uh he's a, he's a, he's an interesting fella. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to vote for him, but I, I, I do think he's an interesting guy. Um, so definitely worth reading about. Um, all right, well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, money in politics tonight, and and how how these things sort of mesh up a little bit. Tim very astutely earlier on Twitter today put up uh, a thing about a suit that the suit that Hillary Clinton wore the other night, which was worth what twelve thirteen thousand dollars or some some, yeah, some outrageous amount for one amount was from Gucci. Uh, and of course, Hillary, you know how how hypocritical is it, you know, to talk about uh, you know, things like poverty when you're wearing a $13,000 outfit. Um, you know, I think the one, but then that sort of got us thinking about, you know, where, where, what is the role of, of salaries and money and how do these people make their money in, in politics? I, I do want to say that I think there's one politician that, that gets a pass on this. And I think that's Bernie because I'm pretty sure Bernie owns two suits. I think it's about right. And, 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 and he doesn't and maybe, clean them very and, often. And maybe three ties. <laughs> Um, which he usually doesn't have the tie on anymore. I think he just leaves it in the car. Uh, so, um, you know, to kind of start it off, uh, let, let's, let's just go over very quickly what some of these people make. Congressmen, and this is any member of Congress, House, Re- House of Representatives or Senators are paid annually $174,000 a year. These are non-leadership positions. Senate leadership and House leadership positions make $194,000. This would be the Senate majority and minority leaders, and I believe the House uh, majority and minority leaders as well. Speaker of the House makes $223,000. The Vice President makes two hundred and thirty. dollars the president makes $400,000 a year. He is given a $50,000 annual expense account, a $100,000 travel expense account, which I find a bit flabbergasting since he's got his own plane, uh, and then $19,000 in entertainment. I don't even know what that means, but we give him $19,000 for it. Anyway, uh, so that's what they're working with, which those salaries, yeah. I mean, they're big. I mean, the president at four hundred grand—that's you know—that's big. The president's, I believe, is for life. No, we don't. We don't pay the rest of these guys for life, do we? I don't know. That's a fascinating question. I'm not sure. And I, I know the president's salary is for life. I and I don't think House members get it for life. I'm not sure about senators. I would be interested to look that up. I should have done that. Um, so the question is, I mean, is it? <sighs> And yeah, I would say a $13,000 suit is a little bit over the line, but I mean, there's on one side, let's look, you can't sugarcoat this. The Clintons are wealthy people. Does that mean that just because they're wealthy people, they're not allowed to talk about poverty? You know, and then, and I'm sorry, the Clintons have made their money, uh, you know, by being president and then doing what poli- doing what ex-presidents do. Ex-presidents get massive book deals. They hit the lecture circuit and they do charity events or they run their own foundation. All things the Clintons do 
which are pretty much what a lot of ex-politicians do. So why is it such a big deal with the Clintons? That's, that's my first question. And second, you know, can we really fault these people for being that expensive, you know, when, I mean, this is, you know, wearing expensive things when frankly they have money. Is it that big a deal? Well, well I think it is. And, the, and this is, uh, and th- this is a fairly giant pet peeve of mine that the, the, it's become in America the big the question is to whether or not I should buy something, right? Whether or not it's it's reasonable for me to purchase something. As the question has become whether or not you can afford it, right? So if you can afford a fifty thousand dollar car, a uh, twelve thousand dollar suit, um, then if you can afford it, then it's okay to buy it, right? And, and I disagree with that thinking. I think that at some point you have to say, okay, look, yeah, maybe I could afford this, but uh, when when $50,000 could feed an entire African village for a year or when $12,000 could, you know, fund vaccines for a, for a small city in India, I, I think you have to ask yourself whether or not it's morally acceptable for you to buy that. Um, you know, I love all of the things that the Bill Gates Foundation does, but have you seen Bill Gates' house? That thing is ridiculous. And I think that there is definitely something morally wrong with the amounts of money that get spent on things. And I don't think it matters if you're rich. Uh, this I listen to a lot of hip hop and this is a major issue that I have with hip hop artists today is that now rather than rapping about the struggle, they're just rapping about, you know, their money and their lifestyle. And all they talk about is wanting to get more and buy more things, completely forgetting about all the people that are, are left behind to, to struggle in ghettos and, and these sorts of things. And then we turn around and all we do is we blame CEOs, right? And we get very angry at CEOs for the amount of money that they make and, uh, you know, and how they don't play their employees enough. And yet we see politicians, we see Hollywood, we see the music industry, we see these people spending millions upon millions of dollars on cars, houses, clothes. Uh, so I, I think, and in the, in, when it comes to the Clintons, why is the focus maybe even more so on them? Uh, it's, it's because they spend so much time talking about the, the, how we need to help the working man and help the poor and help all these people. Uh, and then we, we see her in a $12,000 suit and we call her out for being a hypocrite. You know, it doesn't make the fact that she's doing it any more wrong than when you see, I guess when you hate to say this, when you see a Republican doing it, because everyone thinks Republicans are assholes anyway, who only care about the rich. Uh, but Clinton is pretending to care so much about the poor. And then she's spending all of this money on frivolous things. And it's, it's hypocrisy at its finest. I, I would absolutely agree, at least on the Hollywood front. It, it never ceases to amaze me when I hear uh, stories about it. And I think it's the kind of thing that really bugged me about sort of the, the celebrity shills that, that Bernie had. Um, when you saw people like Rosario Dawson and Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins uh, being openly insulting of supporters of Clinton and talking about how much they cared about all of these poverty initiatives and things of that nature. And then, you know, hearing about some of the enormous salaries that these people have pulled 
uh, over the years. Clooney is another one, you know, who, uh, God love him, who, uh, you know, just makes extraordinary amounts of money, um, you know, but then pushes all these uh, uh, poverty causes and things of that nature. You know, Brad and Angelina are another one, you know, that run around and do this sort of thing. And it's just kind of like, well, yeah, really? Well, and it it, it, you know? it discredits them, and it makes us question their authenticity. And I think that speaks to why people love Pope Francis so much. You know, I mean, uh, Pope Benedict said a lot of the same things about poverty. He, he pushed a lot of the same teachings of the church, but then he was wearing his Prada shoes, and it made people question his, his authenticity. Whereas with Pope Francis, we see him driving around in his Ford Focus and showing up to pay his hotel bill himself and and chastising fellow bishops and cardinals for the the parties that they throw and um you know we, he he's authentic about it uh and so and we and so we trust him and we believe him and we have a hard time believing all of these politicians and hollywood types when they rant and rave about the need to take care of our fellow man but then they're spending all this money on on frivolous things and I and if you know if I was going to have a gripe about Obama, that's honestly a gripe I would have about him. Is the I mean, how much is that house that that they're moving into in Washington D.C. This million dollar home? I I mean, come on! Like I I know that you're the president, and I know that you can afford these things, and that we we've decided as a nation for some reason that that it's okay for for this to be done. But I I don't think it is. I, I think if you really care about the poor, you really care about poverty, then then scale it down a bit. You really care about the environment? Great. Then don't buy such a big freaking house. Learn to live on a little bit less. You want to talk to me about carbon footprint? Great. Let's talk about carbon footprint. I'm a Republican. I drive a Prius and I live in a duplex. So let's 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 tone it down a notch. I'm going to give Obama a pass on that one because he's moving into an area. He's moving in within, within Washington. No, because there's a reason within Washington on, uh, in an area that they, they're staying there purely because his daughter, they don't want to pull his daughter out of high school in the middle of it. And they're moving into an area that has to be ridiculously expensive just because Washington DC proper the property value is is extraordinary. I would bet you anything that even at a million dollars, that house probably is not like quite as extravagant as you're thinking. I bet it it's pretty extravagant, and I bet there are lots I'm not of saying people it's the ghetto, living but, in Washington D.C. who don't live well, in million then, dollar houses. Well, and then the other thing is, is that he's got to consider as an ex president, he's got to consider uh, security, Secret Service. Uh, bodyguards, things like that. I mean, I, you know, um, and, and also with the, the issue of staying in Washington, I don't know. I, since they've never let that, that, that house in Chicago go, and that's the one they still live in when they go back to Chicago, the one that he had when he was still in the Senate, I, that uh, to me says a lot. He hasn't gone out and bought his own vacation home on Martha's Vineyard just yet. So, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and that, that Chicago place is a real shack too, isn't it? Real. I don't know. They, well, they were able to afford it when they were apparently they were still paying on their student loans just until just before he started to run for president and they were able to afford it. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure it's not a shack, but must have been know. must have been brutal to handle that student loan payment with his hundred and seventy four thousand dollar a year senator paycheck. That must have been uh, gruesome. Uh, all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. 
Lord, have mercy. Well, I, I'm sorry, but it's the but, same. There, there was a Democrat. I, I couldn't. I was so grateful that it was a Democrat that said this, and not a Republican. There was a Democratic senator right around the time that you know there was a big push on all the poverty and everything, and he was demanding a raise because we just didn't know how hard it was to survive on $174,000 in D.C. I, you got to be kidding me. I mean, this is three times the median income in the United States of America. Three times the median income. And you're going to come at me and tell me, well, it's just so hard. Give me a break. I, w- I would love to live that difficult lifestyle. Um, well, I mean, but how much how much is involved and how much of, you know, in, in the idea of being in a center, uh, okay, the median home value in Washington right now is 500,000. Uh-huh. That's a lot. That's that's a really lot. Whereas the median home value in Lexington, Kentucky is 168,000. So the median home value in DC is almost four times the amount that it is where you live, well, three times the amount where you live. So it's a, it is a little bit more expensive. I'm not saying it's a lot, but it's a little bit. You you too um, good to live in an apartment? You do good to live in a. You do live in a. Too good to live in a duplex. You do. Are you too good to live in that? Are you too good to live in that perfectly good refrigerator box I sent you? My God. I. I, I mean, uh, it's. I'm sorry. It's. It's ridiculous. Not. Nothing is going to convince me otherwise that the, the idea not. that 174,000 is 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 not enough to live on, or the idea that well, you just have to have a million dollar home because well, you know, I was president and there. You know, I need all the bodyguards. I need the space. I need all this. You know, and I mean, I'll turn right back around and, and, and point the finger at the church. This was the same sort of excuse that got, that's been used by, been used by popes for, for, uh, their lifestyle. I remember when I was in seminary at, in Philadelphia, uh, the archbishop lived in a virtual, virtual castle and, and guys would defend it saying, well, you know, he's, he's, you know, like the prince of the church and he has to, he has to host a lot of functions out of his home and blah, blah, blah. No, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's an excuse. Live more simply. Fair enough. Trump sort of breaks the mold on this one, doesn't he, though? From a standpoint of, of, of how our politicians live. Kind of takes all our expectations and squishes it. The guy's got gold seatbelts on, uh, on, his, on, his, on his jet. Well, I, I don't think he cares. You know, like he, he's more than happy to show it off. But I, I think that our, some of our presidents and, and our politicians live just as extravagantly. They just, they just don't show it off maybe the way that he does. Yeah, I doubt seriously the Bush family is living in any form of poverty at all. Yeah, I'm sure they're really roughing it out on their out on their ranch. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, it it makes it it makes me sick. I get very I get very worked up about all this sort of thing. This is this is one of the talking points that I always had in, in lectures and in speaking to students and, and youth groups. Uh, and it was exactly this: the, the the idea that just because you can afford something doesn't mean that you should buy something doesn't make it okay. And I, I really hope, and I say this in my book, like I really hope that I win the lottery because I, I talk a big game about all this and I really hope that I win the lottery so that I have the chance to put my money where my mouth is. And even though I, I have my, my millions of dollars that I keep on living uh, in a very modest home. Because um, I, I think that's important. I, I think it's important for us to live simply so that it's a cliche, but to live simply so that others may simply live. Well, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I don't, uh, 
you know, I mean, I, I hope myself, I mean, I don't play the lottery. I'm hoping that you'll win the lottery and take care of my student loans for me because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Done. liberal and I, I suck off the, the successes of others. That's what I do. Um, but, uh, you know, I've always hoped that, you know, I would be willing to, you know, sort of live within whatever means I, you know, have had, you know, it's, it's, it's amused me to, to live in the house that I do live in, which is not a big house, but you know, it's, 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 it's fairly good size, I guess, for one person. Um, and you know, but I, I look around it and I got, and I go, well, you know, I don't know that even if I had a lot of money that I would necessarily want to live anywhere else. I like my house and I like the size that it is. And I mean, it'd be nice to have some limited, uh, you know, uh, disposable income or whatever, or ways to fix it up. But I, I don't know that I would move, you know, immediately if I did hit a whole bunch of money right off like mm-hmm. that, you know, um, again, and also to meet that same point that, you know, do you, how much do you need? And do you, you know, uh, and honestly, I don't need any more than what I have. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, again, I'm not saying you don't, you don't, that you're not making outstanding points. You are, I, you know, in, in a way I'm sort of playing devil's advocate a little bit, um, you know, because to me, you're right. There is no, in Hillary's case, again, this is not another one of those things that would make me go, Oh God, well now I'm not going to vote for, her. but it does make me go, because I think that it is endemic in politics, period. Uh, so it's not just her. And that was my problem with it coming out and everybody being, oh, oh my God, Hillary had a $13,000 suit. And I'm going, well, I mean, yes, give her crap about that. But at the same time, give all of them crap. Ask Paul Ryan how much he spends on suits. I would bet it's not a small amount. Um, you know. Agreed. Uh, they, they, all, they, all, they all deserve flack for this. Absolutely. And so I'm glad Hillary's getting it. I'm glad that Sarah Palin got it when when she got her her hundred and fifty thousand dollar <laughs> wardrobe makeover. Um, you know, and unfortunately, I think there might be a tendency to harass women for it more than men because we don't necessarily notice how much a suit costs. Um, but I, I think that the the men in politics are probably just as guilty of it for the amounts of money that they spend. Um, except I, for Bernie, Joseph A. Bank, two ex- for one. Except, except for Bernie. Um, yeah, so I, 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 for one, certainly hope that Congress isn't planning on giving themselves raises anytime soon, but I'm pretty sure they have a built in annual raise. Um, I think they have an annual bill saying annual raise, but it doesn't always pass. Um, and nor should it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, well, we got to move on. So time for uh time for round of applause. Um, uh, what you got? Uh, Jeff Flake. He is the junior senator from Arizona, and unlike his seen the senior senator, senator uh, John McCain, Jeff Flake has refused to back Donald Trump. Now he hasn't done it. He he hasn't said he won't. He's saying the same thing of you know and, until he moderates his tone, which I would say, Mister Blake, Mister Flake, please moderating his tone does not mean he's changing who he is or he's changing his belief. He's just moderating his tone so he can get elected. So if he moderates, please do not turn around and back him. But for now, you most definitely deserve my round of applause for standing up and saying, no, I will not endorse him at this time. Uh, and I also want to give him a round of applause for, for cutting through the BS in regards to the nomination of uh, Garland um, for, for the Supreme Court. Uh, he is, he has said that he's not saying that we should nominate him now, but he's being honest about it. And he's saying the principle that he is standing on is not this idea that you shouldn't nominate, uh, and, and, and 
put forth, you know, Supreme Court candidates during an election year. He's saying the principle that he's standing by is we want more conservatives on the Supreme Court. So we're going to wait and see if we can win the election, and then we will uh, be nominating conservatives to the Supreme Court. Now, he has also said that if it becomes clear that Hillary Clinton's going to win, then we need to nominate and, and vote for uh, Garland, which Mitch McConnell has sworn up and down is, is not what he's planning to do, uh, which I, I call BS. I don't think McConnell will do that. I think that if it becomes clear that Hillary Clinton's going to win, then McConnell will find some way to make it look like he never said what he said, which was that even if Hillary Clinton's going to win, we will not uh, put forth um, Garland. So I, I, I applaud Jeff Flake for his honesty on all accounts. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I didn't get as much of a chance to read about all of that stuff as I, I had wanted to this week, but yeah, uh, you know, and to all, honestly, I would, there have been so few, uh, um, Republicans that have come out and, and had the balls to say, no, I'm not going to do this. Actually, John Kasich was just one of them who, you know, uh, basically said, why would I endorse him? I don't agree with him on anything. Um, Kasich said and, that my man, he's refusing to endorse him. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, he said, and I quote, I'll go to the convention, but why would I endorse? Why would I endorse him? That's exactly what That's exactly what he said. He said, why would I endorse him? I don't agree with him on anything. All right. Well, I'm disappointed that you backed out when you did, but good job. Thanks for thanks for staying strong, K Dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's just so many, so few of them that have have really you know been out there enough to you know uh, to say and stand up for this kind of thing. And and they just you know they just haven't done it. So it's always been good to see. Unfortunately, it's a rare thing, but it has happened, and it's 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 always good to see. So, um, yeah, my, uh, you know, my, my round of applause actually goes to Elizabeth Warren this week. I've, I've been really impressed with her the last couple of weeks because she has just absolutely launched an all out offensive on Trump. And the speech she gave tonight was quite possibly one of the most pointed, blatant, uh, you know, uh, straight and to the point assessment of the campaign that he's running and who he is and what he's done how he took on that judge and why it was such a, a, a terrible, she pointed out that the judge is legally bound not to defend himself in this. Mm-hmm. Trump can go out and say whatever he wants. And by law, the judge can't do it. And of course he hasn't, he's never said anything. And for all intents and purposes, he seems like a very stand up uh, judge nominated by a Republican. I might point out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, and, and Elizabeth Warren just absolutely nailing him to the wall. I stand by the fact that I think if Bernie Sanders does not want the vice presidential pick, I really think it's going to be her. Um, and wh- I mean, what a way to go after Trump is to put two women right in front of him with his history of misogynistic comments. I cannot think of a better, of, of a better thing to, to force him to run against. Um, so, but I've, I've been, I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to Elizabeth Warren over the years, but I've been very impressed with her the last couple of weeks. And, and, uh, I, I applaud her for the, the stand that she's taking. Yeah. Well, good for her. I mean, certainly expected, right. That, that she would, she would be taking that stand, but, but good for her for, uh, standing up to him. And I, I hope that she continues to do so. I don't know that I expected her to be quite out as front and center as she has been. 
which is why I start to, which is why I kind of think that, that the vice president, that she's going to be the vice presidential pick because she's really taken a lead role in this. And I don't know that that was what I expected from her. A role, sure, but maybe not the lead role that she has. I, I think I would have expected it. I, I mean, she she's all she's been sort of in the in the talk as far as vice vice presidential picks. She's always she was in talk. At, you know, she was in the in the loop as far as potential people to run for president. Uh, so I, I think she she's more and more in the spotlight. And this was, uh, I think, you could say uh, for me anyway, it was an expected role for her. I, I think keep your eye on Bob Corker from Tennessee for Trump's VP pick. <clears throat> I'm he's 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 my he's my guest right now, man. I know there's lots of guessing going on and, and narrowing down of lists and all those sorts of stuff, but I I don't think it's I just I just don't feel like there's any point in even in even guessing. Um, you know, I, I know that Trump has said that he wants a, a politician, an experienced politician. Uh, before I might have said, you know, well, good luck finding one to go with you. Uh, but at this point, nothing that any of the Republicans who have endorsed him uh, would do would surprise me. So he might very well find an experienced politician willing to, to jump on his bandwagon. So, and well, don't worry, Chris Christie is always out there to try to jump his bones. In yeah. He's always ready. Maybe to eat the bandwagon too. Wow. Wow. That was, a I nice know I just made a fat blow. joke. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Heavens! All right, I'm I'm done with Chris Christie. I got to tell you, I, I saw a press conference that he gave where he was saying about how uh, there was nothing wrong with the whole judge thing and how Lindsey Graham had lost all credibility to make any comments on Trump. And I'm just going, really? Because you've sort of lost all credibility, like period. Yeah, you kind of lost <laughs> credibility to talk. So yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see how anyone could care so much what someone like him saying, considering how low his approval ratings are. You know, I mean, you got—I think you got to listen to Kasich because he's got good approval ratings in Ohio. But when a governor came and get his own state to like him, I think you can pretty well dismiss him. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So, all right, well, we are uh, we are way way behind, but we're going to go ahead and try to get this minimum wage thing in. So this might be a little bit of a long show, but this is uh, 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 the minimum wage increase has been a thing, man. It's been all over the place. Bernie has really brought it to the forefront of 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 that was loud. I'm sorry, um, and there's no way for me to edit that out. So deal with it, America. Um, but uh, Bernie has brought the minimum wage thing to the the forefront of his campaign uh hillary clinton has uh also talked about it in to varying degrees as has president obama uh democrats love it republicans hate it for the most part um the the gist of it is minimum wage right now is what 775 725 725 right now uh democrats want it up to a living wage uh, at fourteen, fifteen dollars an hour. Some Democrats do, not all of them, but some of them. Um, and there are some that want it that believe it should be as high as as eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Um, there have been a lot of municipalities that have done it on their own. Uh, there are quite a few corporations that are heading in that direction. For in some cases, Walmart, believe it or not, is is trying to get their starting starting uh, hourly rate up to thirteen, fourteen bucks an hour at some point. Um, so, but we haven't talked about it that much here, Tim, with his chuckling, I'm certain you're not going to surprise anybody with, 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 I don't know that you held your cards that close to your chest on that one, bud, but, 
Um, so let's, but let's, let's, let's hear from you first on, uh, on, on this one. What do you think? Well, one, let's give credit where it's due. You know, we're talking about Bernie Sanders putting, you know, putting minimum wage on the map when, when really this was president Obama. I mean, he, he's, he's been pushing for it for his, his 10, 10, um, the number that he saw out there, which was 10, 10. Now, uh, Bernie Sanders has doubled down and is shooting for $15 an hour, uh, which suddenly makes Obama's 1010 look downright reasonable. Um, so I, I guess one, let's be clear. Like I, I understand where people are coming from for this desire to see, uh, the minimum wage go up. Um, and I, and I get their frustration. And I am equally frustrated with any corporation that continues to pay its people minimum wage when it could afford to pay them more. Um, and I think what we're seeing with a lot of these corporations raising raising their wages is a hope that okay, well, crap, let's raise, raise let's raise wages, and then hopefully we can keep the the federal government from from putting the smackdown and and instituting a. Uh, a required minimum wage raise, which, which is a good thing. You know, it shouldn't have required all of this talk of, of raising minimum wage to get them to do it. But I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the ones that can't afford it, like Walmart are finally stepping up and, and actually making it happen. The, the big thing for me is that I disagree with the idea that a minimum wage should be a living wage. I, I disagree with that philosophy, and I understand that I'm, I'm disagreeing with FDR, right? I mean, that was that was his purpose behind the minimum wage, was that it shouldn't be just a bare-bones wage. He wanted it to be an actual living wage, and I disagree with that idea. Uh, I've, one of the arguments I hear from progressives all the time is that, um, you know, there's no way that you could support a family of four on that wage, and I'll throw out what it would be required in order to support a family of four. Well, I, I don't believe that I should have to pay my little 17-year-old hostess enough money for her to support a family of four. Uh, I think that the training, the minimum wage is, is a training wage. This is the bottom, the bottom rung, uh, that you're paying entry-level people, uh, so that they can get the experience, uh, in, in the job so that then they can, they can move up. So there, there needs to be room for them to move up. And that's why companies need to be stepping up and paying people more when they can afford it, when the profits are sufficient. But there's got to be a reasonable low wage that we can pay entry-level employees. Um, now, can it go up some from $7.25 an hour? Sure. I, I don't mind an $8.25 an hour minimum wage. That That's fine. Um but it does not need to be 1010. It does not, and it certainly does not need to be $15 an hour. Uh, because I, I don't think that this is good for the economy. Uh, you know, raising the minimum wage some, I know there are people out there who would object and say that, that, well, that could be destructive to jobs and all sorts of stuff. But, but reasonable incremental wage rates, uh, don't do any real noticeable damage to the economy. But doing something along the lines of doubling it or raising it by um, almost 50%, which is what the 1010 would do, I, I think could do real damage. And what you'll see companies do is they'll simply start automating more and more things, which is what we're seeing out of the service industry. Uh, I think the moment you do that, you will see um, register, you know, people at McDonald's working in a cash register, they'll disappear 
And those jobs will, will simply vanish when they could have been continued to be manned by people who were just trying to get a start, teenagers and, and 20-somethings beginning their, beginning their careers. Well, okay, first of all, on the automation thing, I don't buy that. The, the, the one, because honestly, I think if McDonald's could have done that by now, I think they would have done it. Because I think that corporations like that have proven that they'll save a buck wherever they can save a buck. And it doesn't matter if they're trying to get out of paying somebody 10 bucks an hour or if they're trying to get out of paying somebody 7 bucks an hour. If they can get out of paying somebody, they're going to get out of paying somebody. So I think if the technology and the structure existed for McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, whatever, to do that sort of thing, I think they would have done it. But that's really neither here nor there. That's because that's a... It's a smaller thing because there's a lot that you said that is that is totally valid. And the the thing that bothers me about this minimum wage increase is that, I'm, you know what, I believe the minute, you're right. And the minimum wage absolutely does need to go up a little bit to a certain extent. But a $15 an hour wage increase, this is one thing that I, I really do disagree with a lot of liberals on is because to me, it's 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 something that the Democratic Party does just as much as Republicans do, they just do it, uh, you know, in, in a, in a different way. They're fighting the wrong, they're, they're fighting the right war, but they're fighting on the wrong front. They're looking to the left when they should be looking right. It's, it's not a matter to me of should the minimum wage be a living wage? It's why are people trying to work minimum wage jobs? as a living wage. Why are they being forced to do that? Why is it that so much of our middle class and poverty level folks are forced to work jobs flipping burgers? 20 years ago, jobs flipping burgers were exactly for who you said. You got a job flipping burgers over the summer. You got a job flipping burgers your senior year of high school, your freshman year of college. Why now are so many people flipping burgers to support a family of four. Because this is not what we intended the middle class to be was in that kind of industry. And that to me is the larger argument. What do we want blue collar jobs to be in this century, in this country? Do we want them to be Burger King? Is that really what we're shooting for? Or do we want more than that? And by simply throwing money at the minimum wage, you are accepting this level of work that I don't think people want. I think if you went to most of those people that are working those jobs and said, would you want to do this job for 15 bucks an hour? Or if we could find a way to train you to do this job that is, uh, not quite so labor intensive or would provide you a better lifestyle and train you to do this job for 20 bucks an hour, which would you rather do? Or would you rather go to this job and start off here at 15 bucks an hour and be able to keep working your way up to something that doesn't require you to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week and where you can make expect to, by the time you've worked it out, make 40, 50, $60,000 a year when he, after you've been there a certain amount of time and, and, and get, you know, annual raises to a certain point and have some kind of retirement plan and benefits and things of that nature. Um, and I, I don't think that we're looking in the right places. And that's what bothers me about 
the minimum wage increase is that it's a temporary solution to a larger problem that we're just not addressing. Uh, agreed. And I think this, this goes back to the need for, for better education and better training, because one of the things that you do see from employers is the fact that there's actually a lot of jobs out there that do pay better, but people aren't trained for those jobs. And we have to do a better job with our education system and our vocational training systems in order to get people prepared for those jobs. Because the simple fact of the matter is that the service industry simply can't afford to pay people those amounts of money. The, the profit margins simply aren't enough. You know, you look at a, at a McDonald's and, and things and businesses of that nature, though you're talking about a nine to 10%, an eight to 10% profit margin. And that's it. You know, this, there's not a very large markup here. And so they simply can't afford to, to pay people the, the, the kind of living wage that's being thrown out. Uh, but I think that there are better jobs out there that exist that, that people could be moving towards if our education system uh, was designed to, to move them into those sorts of jobs. Yeah. And if we put more, but it's not just the education system, because you keep talking about uh, I mean, yeah, it's important to start training people now and do better at, at the K through 12 level, uh, particularly in high school, but well, in college, not, well, yeah, college to a certain extent, but most of the best people that I know in tech degrees, uh, myself included, didn't go either didn't go to college or went to college for something completely different. I have a film degree. I make my living in it. You know, uh, there are a whole lot of people and I didn't, you know, my boss for years never graduated from college, uh, who, a guy who was my boss up until about a year ago, um, and was making very nearly six figures, uh, in his job. Um, and I believe he's making six figures now. I mean, it, it, it you know, uh, a college degree is not worth what it used to be worth and it is not necessary to get, it helps, but there are plenty of ways to get a good job, make a decent living without a college degree if you've had the opportunity to go after good training, good job training, uh, associate's degrees, things like that. Um, and I just don't know that we have focused enough on those opportunities. And we've left an awful lot of the training in the IT industry to corporations that are really just trying to push products. And I, I just don't think that that's, that that's been enough. I don't think we've put enough. We have not met everybody for my entire lifetime, my entire adult life. I've been hearing politicians build a bridge to the 21st century and we're going to meet the needs of the new century and we will take America into our best days and into the needs of the 21st century, but we're not actually going to do anything to pull that off because we've blown it. We didn't meet those needs. We didn't look at the opportunities that technology was going to give us that were right in front of our face from a standpoint of actually training a workforce that could do the jobs that we need done, and we haven't done it. And now we're in this position where we have an entire generation trying to make a living doing the jobs that they were supposed to do the summer after they graduated from high school. Well, funnily enough, you, you sound a lot like Paul Ryan. Uh, that's a lot of the stuff that he talks about in a better way is the you bite the, your tongue. 
The <laughs> I mean, that's what he talks about. You the take need, that back. The need for training um, on, on the job, and that you learn more from actually working than you do from a college. A lot of times, um, and finding ways to to get people into those entry level positions where they can learn the skills that they need to to move up the ladder and get out of poverty. Uh, so I, I think that you're absolutely right. Um, and, and you're right. While I was talking about education, there's a lot more types of education than just in the, the K through 12 or the, or in the college system. Um, and you're absolutely right about the fact that college, college degree just isn't worth what it, what it used to be. Uh, it depends a lot on the kind of degree that you get, uh, and the kind of college you went to, um, and teens and teens and, and millennials need to be need to be taught this and and given better assistance and and find and helping them to find uh, the the jobs of the future and preparing themselves for that. Yeah, definitely. And you you mentioned the the whole profit margins or things about McDonald's and and whatever. That's not. Uh, nobody, nobody cares about that. Okay. Nobody, nobody, nobody cares about, nobody's worried about McDonald's. My, my problem with that is that where you talk about industries with profit margins and not to hit the points that politicians hit all the time, but that really is a place where I think that it will hurt. It's, it's not going to hurt. It'll hurt McDonald's a little bit. It'll hurt Wendy's a little bit. It'll hurt Burger King a little bit, but it'll really hurt the people that it's really going to hurt in that case would be the small business people. I think. Because Bubba's it'll could be, not have functioned. It would, it'll it would be have the people like you. Yeah. It would be the people like you that are having to all of a sudden pay, you know, the kids that they have come work for them a couple days a week and double and triple their salaries. Um, and it'll be that, you know, uh, um, you know, somebody who owns a, a local bookshop, you know, and they've got the, this, you know, they've got a kid that comes in and helps them stock shelves on, on Saturday and Sunday. And now all of a sudden they've got to pay them 15 bucks an hour. Um, that probably means that they're not going to hire that kid and get him any work experience. They're just going to try to do the jobs themselves and then they'll probably end up or they'll close, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that is one place where, yeah, I think it'll, I don't really buy the whole, we want to build small business. We're going to, this will hurt small business. You can't do that line that I hear all the time, uh, particularly out of the Republicans. Um, but in this case, I think that's one where, yeah, I think it really would hurt a lot of small businesses. And I don't think that that is being given it's due. There is so much anger towards corporate America that we forget that there still are a lot of small businesses out there. Not as many as there used to be, but there's a lot of them, you know, um, that would not be able to survive if they had to pay everybody that much money. Agreed. Well, fair enough. Again, this is another one of those things where all, all the liberals are not going to like me anymore. And that's okay. I'm only being followed on Twitter by like all those funny book companies that I, I don't know where they came from, but they're chasing after me and it's freaking me out. You have way more followers than I do. You have Yeah. They're not legit. Don't, 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 don't let that fool you. There's like, like apparently if you put writer in your profile name, uh, all these book promoter people come jumping after you. What? Um, I'm a, I'm a writer. Yeah. I'm going to put that well, in then my put Twitter. It in, uh, put it in your Twitter. I'm but the one also, with I'm a also book here. God damn I know. It. Well, I mean, I also, you know, 
I don't know. It's weird. There's this entire industry of people that just go back and forth and follow people all over the place. It's nuts, you know. And but I mean, that, not that not a, not that if you're following me on Twitter, you're not legit. I'm sure you're all great people, and a lot of you are legit. But um, there are quite a few that are not that I've had to just mute because they're just spouting out these excess tweets all over and over and over and over and over again. So that's uh, it's it gets to be a little bit much and a lot to wade through. <laughs> so. Just go start following people. That's the trick to Twitter. Um, eventually, they'll start following you too. Um, so, anyhow, all right. Well, I think that's uh, I, I think that's enough for this evening. Uh, we're we're about to wrap it up. Have you have you anything to add? No, sir. Nothing. Take us out with something cool. All right. Beginning on Monday, Vice President Biden is going to announce an open access cancer database uh, to allow researchers uh, access to each other's. Uh, analyses and uh, clinical data uh, for records to expand uh, cancer research uh, and hopefully continue uh, fighting cancer the way that President Obama had mentioned uh, during his State of the Union. I, I say that this is something cool for a couple of reasons. One, I uh, Tim and I have both uh, lost people who were very special to us to cancer and uh, we uh, also uh, our niece also is uh suffering from a, a a tumor that she's currently having treated uh cancer research is absolutely massive i was really uh disappointed uh in the last few months and not hearing more about it from the president even though he mentioned it during his state of the union a lot of times these things get forgotten and then you never hear about them again but i'm very glad to see that this is that this has happened and i hope that it can continue uh, over the next uh, the next several years uh, through and into the next administration uh, because this is genuinely something that I think we could be doing better uh, at fighting uh, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that there will be more something cools uh, on that front that is fantastic and definitely something cool all right well that's it for us tonight please uh, thank you so much for sticking with us we know we've talked a lot this evening uh, please come back and uh, come back and see us next week and uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Libcon Matt. Tim is at Libcon Tim. Uh, have a pleasant evening. Thank you again.